once again, great to see you. We're glad that you are here. Why don't you look at somebody next to you and say, by the authority of God's word, you are not my problem. Praise the Lord. You can be seated. I want to welcome everybody who's joining us by live stream. I want to welcome our Meeker campus. We are glad that you are with us today. Uh, we are talking about PPE, personal protective equipment, spiritual personal protective equipment. For in that PPE that we're talking about, patience, perseverance, and endurance, there are things that are taking place in time. And over a period of time that God is working. We live in a, a, a culture, we live in a situation where we want everything instantly. We want things to happen at, the, at our reaction, we want a reaction. Or at somebody else's action, we have a reaction. But really, God has a plan to grow us. And God, throughout his word, really wants to establish some things in our life. He wants to, as he would say, we don't understand this really as much in, in our culture unless you are a rancher or a farmer, but uh, we can understand just by simply looking at it that he really wants to take time, first of all, to plant his word in our heart. Then he wants it to grow in a way that we, the roots go down deep and we're established, that we're rooted and grounded. And from that place of a good established root system in his word, that we draw up life from everything that's in his word and who he is. And in that life that we draw up, we begin to grow. We begin to grow inwardly, and then we begin to grow outwardly until we are producing fruit that looks like him, fruit that comes from righteousness, fruit that comes from a relationship, a depth of relationship with him. When we have that depth of relationship, there should be fruit, he said. I am the vine, you are the branches. Any branch in me that is not being productive, is not changing, is not showing forth the fruit that comes from the life of the vine, he says, would be cut off and cast into the fire. So he relates to us that there's a process by which we grow down, then we grow up, then we grow out. And in that place, really, he has set for us, there's these, these three elements. Certainly, as we said last uh, week, you could look in the scripture, you can break them down, and they just cross over. In their definition, and their, their translation, they just keep crossing over. But I'm just conveying to you what really God put in my heart for this season, this time, this culture that we live in. We're here not by accident. We are here. God knows. He didn't get caught by surprise, you know, and be astounded that you aren't living in the book of Acts. Oh, what mistake did I make? John Piccinotti should have been back there with the Apostle Paul. No, he knows right now. We're here right now in the kingdom of God, born again for such a time as this. He knew that there would be confusion in the world, that there would be trouble in the world. He knew that there would be selfishness in the world. There would be people going away from God in the world. He knew that there would be uh, pressures of life. And he said, I brought the word. I brought the, the, the information. The word is more prevalent than it's ever been in the history of man. It's out there to receive that we can get it into our hearts. We were brought to the kingdom for such a time as this. We're here in an appointed time in history, probably one of the greatest times in history that man has ever known. 
That when we look back and see the patriarchs that laid the ground and lived by faith so that we could receive salvation, they also looked and saw the end of all times and said, listen, you're living in a time when the Spirit of God is going to be poured out in the form of the early and the latter rain. Thank you for your enthusiasm. Come on, we live in a time of not just the early rain. Thank God for the book of Acts. And not just the latter rain, which we're going to start to see, the latter rain coming upon the earth more and more. We're seeing sprinklings, but more and more. But as that increases, there's going to be a fullness of the early and the latter rain. The Bible says that the husbandman, the farmer, God, is waiting, waiting for that, patiently waiting for the process of time until he receives the early and the latter rain. What's he waiting for? Because in that outpouring of the Spirit of God that the church involves itself in, and the early and the latter rain, what happened in the book of Acts, what God wants to do in this generation right now, coming together in a flow of power and understanding that's not about us individually. It's really about the church rising and about the harvest of souls in the world. When we look out at the world and we begin to to see what's going on, we begin to see it's about time for the rain. It's not a time for us to be scattered. It's not a time for us to just go with the flow of the world. God is calling his people together. There's a call going out to say, come on, it's time, church, to gather together. It's time to get into the word. It's time to see how the kingdom of God is governed. And so that we begin to govern our personal lives according to the word of God. We begin to govern our families according to the word of God. We begin to govern our relationships within the church according to the word of God. And then we begin to move out and begin to govern the areas that we live in, our businesses according to the Word of God, our our friendships according to the Word of God. So we're not swayed, but we're rock solid and established in the things of God. And so he says there's a time, there's spaces, there's seasons of time, there's opportunities of time. I believe that even though we can get frustrated, we are in an opportunity of time right now to develop ourselves in such a way that when the rain is poured out, listen, when the Holy Spirit's poured out, the world and the devil aren't going to sit back and go, wow, let's just let her flow. But when we're prepared for the harvest, when we're prepared for what will come against us, and we're steadfast, immovable, always abounding in the work of the Lord. Not able to be dissuaded, not able to believe rumors, not able to be easily offended. But we've taken time to allow God to strengthen us fully in our inner man in our inner man, that we give more attention to our inner man than our outer man. That though physical exercise profits a little, godliness is profitable in all things. That we don't revert back in times of difficulty to the old man who was controlled by his mind, his will, and his emotions, but we understand the strength of the Spirit. And when trouble comes, we draw upon the life, the wisdom, and the strength of the Holy Spirit of God in our spirit. But to get to that place, it takes time, it takes development, it takes understanding. Open your Bibles to the 27th Psalm. As you're going through this week, it'd be awesome to to look at the whole psalm. We're going to jump in here at the seventh verse. He says, hear, O Lord, when I cry with my voice, have mercy also upon me and answer me. 
When you said, seek my face, my heart said to your face, Lord, I will seek. Come on now. That word is preaching better than your amen. I mean, just that scripture itself preaches. Come on. When you said, seek my face, I said to your face, I'll seek. Come on, it's time. God's saying, come on, seek my face. Seek my face. Quit seeking after the things of the world. Quit seeking. Seek my face. And we turn and said, man, I'll seek. Verse 9, do not hide your face from me. Do not turn your servant away in anger. You have been my help. Do not leave me nor forsake me, God of my salvation. When my father and my mother forsake me, then Lord, the Lord will uh, take care of me. Come on, sometimes we get so upset, it seems like somebody's forsaken us, but God will never forsake you. God will never forsake you. Teach me your way, O Lord, and lead me in a smooth path because of my enemies. It's like, listen, my enemies are coming. I'd like a, a straighter path to walk in. Verse 12, do not deliver me to the will of my adversaries, for false witnesses have risen against me, and such as breathe out violence. Come on, there's a bunch of people telling all kinds of stuff about all kinds of people. He said, listen, there's stuff that's going on. And he said, I would have lost heart. We live in a day where you could lose heart. You could just lose heart. Come on, you could just listen and get depressed. Or, <laughs> come on, or, now listen to me, I know I'll go under the gun for this, but praise the Lord. Come on, it's not just okay to be not okay. That flies in the face of the blood of Jesus. It's okay to not be okay. Come on, you cannot be okay. You could lose heart. But, come on, there's people who are not okay. But Jesus said, it's not okay with me that you're not okay. That's why I came and died on the cross and shed my blood so you could be okay. I'm not trying to put pressure on you. I'm trying to relieve pressure. Don't run around going, it's okay to not be okay. The devil will trump on you. He'll bust your head. It's time to stand up and bust his head. It's time to say, listen, I'm tired of not being okay. The blood of Jesus made me okay. He healed my body. He restored my soul. He bound me up in himself. My brokenness is healed. I'm okay. I wasn't okay, but I'm okay in him. All right, I, I digress. I would have lost heart unless I had believed. Come on, stuff that's going on, people that are saying stuff, people that have accusations, people that are talking down, I could just lose heart. Except I believe. What do I believe? That I would see the goodness of the Lord in the land of the living. Come on, now we're not waiting until we die and go to heaven. We're looking right now to see the goodness of God right here, right now. One translation says, I'm looking to see the good. I believe I'll see the goodness of God while I am yet alive. 
Come on, church. We're the ones. We don't lose heart. We don't get downtrodden. We're not going to get run over. We're not going to say it's just okay to settle for second best. But we believe that we are going to see the fullness of God's goodness in the land of the living. So he says this, wait on the Lord, be of good courage, and he shall strengthen your heart. Wait, I say, on the Lord. Listen to the Passion Translation, verse 14. Here's what I've learned through it all. Don't give up. Don't be impatient. Be entwined as one with the Lord. Be brave and courageous and never lose hope. Yes, keep on waiting, for he will never disappoint you. He will never disappoint you. Come on, he says, listen, how do we get through all this? We believe. We'll see the goodness of God in the land of the living. So we wait on the Lord. We don't get impatient. We don't allow anxiousness and anxiety to overtake us. But we take that time to be entwined and become one with the Lord. That's exactly what Isaiah was talking about when we've talked about that. So as we move forward and we begin to talk about this and to understand really that patience, if we go to James chapter 1, where we ended last week, James chapter 1, rejoice, rejoice, my beloved brethren, when the trying of your faith comes. When there's trials and temptations that come your way. Because the trying of your faith produces patience. Let patience have its perfect work that you may be complete and entire, lacking nothing. If anyone lacks wisdom, let him ask of God who gives liberally and upbraideth not. But let him ask in faith, not wavering. Because a man that wavers or doubts is like a, a, a driven and tossed by the wind. He goes on to say, blessed is the man who endures temptation, for he'll receive the crown of life. Let no one say when he's tempted with evil, I'm tempted by God. How we ever got that doctrine, I don't know. It's right there in the Bible. Don't do that. (laughs) Evil comes to us. I guess God's trying to teach me something. God's not trying to teach you something. The devil's trying to destroy you. He said, don't say I'm tempted with evil by God, but each one is tempted when he's drawn away by his own desires and enticed. When that desire is conceived, it brings forth sin, and sin, when it's full grown, brings forth death. In other words, there's a process to bring forth death, and there's a process to bring forth life. He said, so don't be deceived, my beloved brethren, every good and perfect. Somebody say good and perfect. Every good and perfect gift comes down from the Father of lights in whom there is no variation and there is no shadow of turning. What does he say? You know, when you, if you go out in the summertime and you, you put up a little shade thing, it's, as the sun moves, the shadow changes with the sun. And so you got to keep moving with whatever the sun's doing. But he says, listen, when you come under the shadow of the Almighty... And you say of him, he is your refuge, your fortress, your God. It's in him that you put your trust. It doesn't matter what the day offers. You don't have to move with the shadow. There is no shadow of turning. It doesn't matter where the sun goes or the, the moon goes. If you're under the shadow of the Almighty, he's the same yesterday, today, and forever. You don't have to move around because the circumstance moves around. God is the same no matter what the circumstance, no matter whether it's morning, noon, or night. He's the same. So we can meditate on his word morning, noon, and night and stay in that place of comfort with him. 
And so really, we're just looking at it this way. They can intertwine, but just stay with me on this, that patience is something that we utilize to build our faith. Our patience is tried to ruin our our faith. And so he comes against our faith with the circumstances that would lie against the enemy. When the enemy comes in, he begins to lie to you, whether in your, your ear or circumstantially tell you that God's not true, God doesn't care about you, that, that you're not all that, that God has made you to be. Maybe you're not forgiven. Maybe you need to bear that. Maybe you're not really healed or or or, or your your guilt and your shame, you need to hold on to it. It says, when all that comes, it's trying your faith, your belief system. And so we need patience, which is continuance. And if we'll continue through all those lies of the enemy to set ourselves in a process of believing God, we will come out complete. There will be no lie of the enemy that will take a hold of us. And so our patience in that time when the enemy's coming and he's lying, how do we overcome that? We talked about this last week, but we are, when we are patient, in other words, what are we being patient with? We're continuing in meditation of God's word. Meditation of God's word. Now, come on, if you're honest, I won't ask for a show of hands, but when all of a sudden when things start to come down and you wonder, where is God, where is God, do you dive in and meditate on the word more and more, or do you start looking at things around you trying to figure out what solution you're going to come up with next? It's a strategy of the enemy. Get to meditating on your problem and how you're going to fix your problem rather than going and meditating on God's word where the solution to what the enemy is doing is already. So we take time. When the enemy's coming in, when he's lying to us, when he's telling us you're not going to make it, you're not a good husband, you're not a good wife, you'll never fulfill what God's called you to do. You've done too many wrong things. How could you ever think that you could achieve to anything? He's challenging your faith. Did Jesus really do something? Does God really care? If God really cared, wouldn't he be doing something right now in the middle of this storm? Rather than it seems like he's just asleep. He's calm in the midst of this storm. You don't, don't you know? And instead of getting up and saying, don't you care? We look into his word. We see, he said, we're going to the other side. We're going to make it. I'm loved. I'm accepted. I'm forgiven. God's promises to me aren't yes and no. Sometimes yes, sometimes no. They're yes and amen. In Christ Jesus. Well, I don't know what to, to bank on. Well, I go to the promises of God. And when the enemy challenges the promises of God, I know they're yes and they're amen. And when he says, you can go ahead and eat of that tree, you'll not surely die. I'm like, wait a minute. Let me look into the word. Let me see what God said before I make a decision about eating of something I ought not to. And so we take patience to meditate on the word. We take patience in those times to make sure that we are praying and praising. Praying and praising. We're building our faith. One of the highest exhibitions of faith, I think uh, uh, Olivia said it last Sunday night, is when we praise him. When we praise him in the midst of the storm, we are acknowledging our faith more than anything. Nothing ticks the devil off more than when he thinks he's got you down and depressed, and all of a sudden you rise up and raise your hands and begin to praise him. Nothing astounds him more. He's like, I got them. They're depressed. They're down. They're about ready to cave and deny God. And you raise up and say, I'll never deny you, God. You are my helper. You are my help in time of need. And right now I need some help, and I depend upon you and not anything else but you. Come on, he's just looking for you to say, oh, woe is me. But when we get up and go, woe is God. 
said, I don't know. It takes, no, it takes some practice. It takes some time. And that's why he's giving us time right now. He's giving us time so we be patient. What is patience? Just sitting back waiting for God? No, it's intertwining, waiting on God, praising, meditating on his word. And so all of a sudden his word just gets down in our heart and we start thinking like he thinks. We start saying what he says. We begin to acknowledge him for who he is, not who should be doing what we ask him to do, but the one that we do what he asks us to do. We begin to pray and to praise and in anxiety and stress and, and trying to be pushed forward. We have peace that passes all understanding. While we're in that place where we've been meditating on the word, we're taking time. Instead of giving place to the enemy and utilizing our time to meditate on the, what the world is saying, we're meditating on the word of God. Instead of grumbling and complaining that things aren't the way that we think they should be. See, you're doing something with this time. You're doing something with this time. And you can either be meditating the word or meditating on what the world says. You can be praying and praising God, or you can be complaining and muttering and talking to everybody else about what they think about what's going on, or you can be talking to God about it. You can be declaring everything that the world says, or we can maintain and hold fast the confession of our faith and our hope without wavering. So that sounds great, Pastor, but I don't know if you know what I'm going through. Well, I might not know exactly what you're going through, but God does. And nothing has come upon you that's not common to man. And that's why he's given us his word and told us we need to meditate on his word. And meditating on his word makes us very strong. It makes us very courageous. Praying and praising sets our focus on him and allows him to inhabit our confession. I like what Mark Hankins says. Your confession is the highway by which faith brings its mighty cargo. That confession, that consistent confession, continuous confession of our faith. What is patience? It's continuous so I didn't confess it yesterday and something bad happened. And so I, I start saying, it's not working. No, I keep confessing that God's word is true. I strengthen myself in faith by giving glory to God and declaring that he's able to perform that which he promised. Whether I see it right now or I don't see it right now, I don't allow myself to grow weak in faith, but I declare. This is what patience is. This is what patience is, not sitting back going, when is God going to do something? Patience is taking time, in time, intertwining ourselves with God's word, intertwining ourselves in communion with God. And in that place, we begin to speak the things that God has spoken to our hearts, spoken in, our wor in, in words. Then we go on and we begin to put our hand to something. Come on, if we believe God has a plan for us, we begin to put our hand to something. Never despise the day of small beginnings. Put your hand to something. He said, whatever you put your hand to. He didn't say, when you get time and it comes to the place that you can put your hand to something really big, I'll prosper. He said, whatever you put your hand to, I'll prosper. So don't just sit around and get idle. Put your hand to something. Serve in the kingdom of God somewhere. And then lastly, being patient, we develop relationships that are going to draw us nearer to God and not push us away from God. We begin to draw to that edification and that speaking the word and not that complaining and that murmuring that comes around developing a relationship. So patience is something that comes that challenges our belief in God. And so we need to be continuous in those things so that our faith becomes strong.
through patience. Through patience. Perseverance. We're going to talk a little bit about that today. Perseverance. Perseverance comes to challenge our values and our vision. Patience comes to challenge our faith. In times, uh, our patience is what we dig when our faith is challenged. Excuse me. Patience in, in God, in his word. Perseverance, once we have faith in God's word and we know we have a vision through God's word of what he's called us to and we begin to draw the values of God's word out, the enemy will come to challenge your values and your vision. And when the enemy comes to challenge your values and your vision is when you need perseverance. When I need perseverance. Turn over to 2 Peter chapter 1. If I don't do a good job of this, just forgive me. But I know, I know these words weave in and out when you read the scripture. But I'm, I'm endeavoring. I know what God showed me. And so it's not an exact science. But if you will take what I'm saying about patience, and as the enemy comes and lies to you and you're wondering, do I believe? Is God going to? Am I really? That you begin to get into his word and spend time in those things. But you'll grow to a place of saying, yes, I am. Yes, I can. I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. I believe God. Yes, healing's working in my body. I believe God. I value God's word over everything. And he's given me a vision and a goal and a purpose in my life to fulfill for him that will be life-changing and change the lives of others. I see it because I've been meditating on his word. I've been patient to intertwine myself with him. Now I see what he sees, and I know that he's got a plan for my life. The enemy will attack that and say, do you really value that enough to stay with it? Do you really see that clear enough to stay with it? So many have lost out because they quit. So many have lost out because they, why'd they quit? The enemy kept pressuring, knowing just one more. They don't value it that much. They don't see it that clearly. And so we're patient because we, when we get it, we get that dog-determined tenacity. To say, I see it, God. I see it in your word. I see that plan. I value my relationship with you more than anything. Second Peter. Praise the Lord. I need to hurry up now. Second Peter chapter 3. Chapter 1, verse 3. Excuse me. Second Peter, bless you. 2 Peter chapter 1, verse 3, it says everything, wait a minute, got to change my translation. As his divine power has given to us all things that pertain to life and godliness through the knowledge of him who called us by glory and virtue, by which have been given to us exceedingly great and precious promises that through these we might be partakers of the divine nature being intertwined with God, the divine nature, having escaped the corruption that is in the world through lust. But also for this very reason, this very reason what? That we've escaped the corruption that's in the world, that we might fulfill the divine calling and the divine purpose that is in our life. But also for this very reason, giving all diligence, add to your faith virtue, moral excellence, to virtue knowledge, to knowledge self-control, to self-control 
perseverance and to perseverance godliness, to godliness brotherly kindness and to brotherly kindness love. For if these things, now there's all of these things, but one of these things is perseverance. For if these things are yours and abound, if perseverance abounds, you'll be neither barren or unfruitful in the knowledge of our Lord Jesus Christ. If you lack these things, you become short-sighted even to blindness. So he says right now, he says, these things increase your vision. They increase your vision. You see Jesus. You see the plan of God. You see all that. And, and, and your faith has been built. He says, now your faith has been built. You've been patient. You've been building your faith. You've been meditating on the word. You've been praying and you've been praising. You've been confessing and declaring. You've been putting your hand to something and you have really got relationships around you that bolster that. He says, now there's something going on in your faith. He said, now add to your faith perseverance amongst other things. We're talking about perseverance. Perseverance. And if this starts to abound in you with these other things, you'll be ne neither barren nor unfruitful in the knowledge of Jesus. You'll see the plan. You'll see him. You'll see things like you've never seen them before by faith. He said, but if you lack these things, you're short-sighted. You keep going back to the mistakes that you've made, short-sighted, and forget that you were cleansed from your past sin. In other words, you keep going backwards, short-term, short-term, natural, short-term, temporary, what was, what was, what happened, instead of now I know him. It's time to move on. It's time to move on. And perseverance brings us into a place so that when we see it and we understand it, then we realize now an entrance, a wide entrance has been opened up to me into the kingdom of God to live and to operate in the kingdom of God rather than just the course of this world. Amen. Turn over to Romans chapter 5. Romans chapter 5, starting in verse 1, he says, Therefore, having been justified by faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ, through whom also we have access by faith into this grace in which we stand. And we rejoice in hope of the glory of God. So most of us are hoping in the glory of God. Let's just see the glory. Let's just see the glory. He says there's an expectation of the glory of God. And not only that. <laughs> Come on. Sometimes we stop reading, woo, the glory, the glory. And he said, not only that, hope of the glory of God, not only that, but we also glory in tribulation. Come on, Paul said, man, we, we, we have faith in Jesus. We're standing in this amazing grace that he's provided for us. We have, because of this grace in which we stand, we have an amazing hope of the glory of God. But not only that, we got trouble. But we just said, we have faith and grace and hope of the glory. Oops, now trouble. Wait a minute. Now what do we do? That trouble hit. Because we had faith. We had grace. We had glory. Woo! Trouble? That wasn't part of the bargain. Oh, it was part of the bargain. But we glory in tribulation, knowing that our tribulation or our troubles 
produce perseverance. And perseverance, character. Perseverance, character. And we were going through this in our devotion when we were going through Romans in our staff. And I just asked for input. And one of our staff members said, I don't know, when you look at this, it really appears that you can't develop character unless you have trouble. <laughs> exactly. You can tout your character, but you'll find out if you really have character when trouble hits. Come on, when trouble hits, you'll find out if you sneak a little and keep some for yourself. When trouble hits, do I tell a little white lie or do, do I not tell a little white lie? When trouble hits, do I honor those God has put in my life or do I just honor myself? We find out when trouble hits, but trouble is a place where we start to really realize that which we've meditated on, that which we built our faith upon, now in that face, in the face of our, our challenge and our values, now that the faith in God, that we're going somewhere, we're doing something, hits. And we have grace upon our life to do it. What the enemy comes, why? Because the anointing will take you places your character can't keep you. We like the anointing. But the anointing will take you places, put you in people's lives and situations of life that if our character is not strong, it'll begin to break down and destroy what the anointing accomplished. You're seriously playing the piano. All right, here we go. Perseverance produces character. So I just want to share with you just real quickly. This is what perseverance is. Webster's, the quality, that, the quality that allows someone to continue trying to do something even though it is difficult. Even though it is difficult. We live in a culture that if it's difficult, why do it? There's a reason in the kingdom of God why we keep doing it. It also means... Uh, a continued effort to do or achieve something despite difficulties, failures, or opposition. Difficulties, failure, or opposition. Turn over to James, the fifth chapter. James chapter five. Starting in verse 10, it says, My brethren, take the prophets who have spoken in the name of the Lord. As an example of suffering and patience. You want to be a prophet? There you go. There's going to have to be some suffering. We think if I'm a prophet, I just tell everybody else what to do. Um, we'll see how that works. Verse 11. Indeed, we count them blessed who, have in, who endure. You have heard of the perseverance of Job. No, rarely we don't. When we talk about Job, we never talk about his perseverance or the end that he got double. We talk about the game that God was playing. How God allowed stuff to happen to Job. No, he says, look at the pers perseverance of Job and see the end intended by the Lord, that the Lord is very compassionate and merciful. He's very compassionate and merciful. So if you start to read Job and you read it at the very beginning, the enemy comes to report to God. Satan comes to report to God what he's been doing on the earth. If you read the wrong translation, it says, it says this, that God asked him, have you considered my servant Job? But that's not literally what the Hebrew says. 
Because God wasn't asking a question. What have you been doing? I, I really don't know. Uh, I am the omniscient one, but I, I, I'm not sure. Could you tell me what you're doing? No, what God actually said to, to Satan is he said, you've been on the earth and you've set your heart to destroy my servant Job. And the conversation all began to reel and move around Satan's accusation of Job's character. He said to God, Job serves you for nothing because he's so blessed by you that if he ever didn't have the blessing, he'd stop serving you. And God, who cannot lie, just said, there are things that he has that are in your control. And so the enemy started to attack things that were in his control and take them away from Job. And Job had great trouble, but he persevered through difficulty. He even had opportunity. His partner in life said, man, I don't have any idea what you did, but you might as well just curse God and die which is what the enemy wanted him to do, is stop and say, if things go wrong, I might as well just curse God and die. Then he had friends trying to tell him, man, I don't know, you must have done something terribly wrong. But God told him in the midst of that, he said, listen, Job, come on. He said, you just seek my face. You stay with me. You stay with my word. And you declare a thing, and it'll be established for you. In the middle of it, Job said, this one thing I know, I'm confused at what's going on. I have a lot of questions, but one thing I know, my Redeemer liveth. So the enemy was saying, he doesn't have any character. He's just serving you because times are good. But Job persevered and showed no matter what the time was, whether it was difficult or whether it was good, I serve God. I don't serve all the things that I have. I serve him. He said the perseverance of Job serving God. God will never let the enemy come and attack your life. The enemy, when he comes in to destroy, God will turn it for good. And the enemy came to impugn his character and destroy his life. And he persevered. And God said, I'm not just going to return to you what was stolen from you by the devil, but I'm returning double. He said, Job persevered, and God was so merciful and so gracious that the end that we come from is not somehow that God was letting the devil mess with Job, is that Job loved God, God loved Job, and the enemy hated him. And the enemy hates you. He's going to come to destroy your life and challenge your value in God and the vision that he's given you. But if you persevere, and I persevere, God is good. He's faithful. He's merciful. And he will always bring about double what you had before the enemy started in your situation. Praise the Lord. And so we begin to consider some things and some people who've gone before us. I don't know how I'm going to do that because I'm out of time. Praise the Lord. Hmm. There's always next week. I'm trying to figure out how to tie it up for today. Why don't you stand up?
Romans chapter 5 says that our perseverance produces character. That ability to work through difficult times and keep our, our thoughts on the vision and the values that God has placed in our heart, no matter what the enemy's doing, can we stay with the vision and the values that have come to us through our patience in developing our faith? He said it'll produce character, and this is Webster's definition of character, the peculiar qualities impressed by nature or habit on a person which distinguish him from others. God is looking to put his unique qualities by the Spirit of God in us to distinguish us as his. The character of God is throughout the Bible. We read it. Love, joy, peace, goodness, gentleness, faithfulness, self-control. The moral virtues that we have, there's so much of the character of God that distinguishes us as sons and daughters. But you know, we can be sons and daughters when everything's going good. When trouble comes, do we revert back like the old man? Or is it proven that the character of God is being developed on the inside of us? says these characteristics or these qualities, these constitute real character. The qualities which he is supposed to possess constitutes his estimated character. When people look at us, whether we like it or not, we don't like it, we feel judged, but the world's still doing it. They look at characters that they think you're supposed to possess. And they'll start to challenge us. The enemy will start to challenge us. Can we look and say, you know what? My goal, my vision is to become more like Jesus. My call is to become more like Jesus, to fulfill that which is there. I value my relationship with Jesus more than I value anything in the world. And so when pressure comes, I I persevere, developing that relationship and allowing his life and his nature to be developed on the inside of me. And at the end of that, we see We've been changed. We've been changed from one degree of glory to the next. That in the midst of circumstances meant to stop you, the Holy Spirit is transforming you into the very image that you were created to be. Sons and daughters of God. It's not a good time to quit. Next week, we'll talk about other people who did not quit and see what they accomplished. Father, we thank you. We praise you and we magnify you.